Okay. All right, we are live. I have no idea why my sound is not going out. There we go. From the Black Swan Media Studios, deep inside a secret underground bunker. We're speaking to freedom-loving patriots from all around the country and the world. Welcome to the resistance. This is John Crump, live. Live. Hello, everyone out there, for a very special episode of John Crump Live. My name is John Crump. You guys know who I am. I am co-hosted by Richard Hughes. We'll play the commercials later because I'm going to get to the questions, and then we'll play the sponsors at like the halfway point. Uh, for the next 30 minutes, we have on Mr. Dave here. Dave is the owner and founder of... Silencer shop, which happens to sell most of the suppressors in the country. <laughs> That's right. And uh, before we get started, one question I have is, how do you build an empire the size of Silencer Shop? Um, do do you did you go into it thinking, hey, I'm going to build this awesome huge company, or was it something that just happened every time? You know, it was it was just an accident. When, when I when Silencer Shop was started, I meant for it to be a hobby. I, I liked my job. I didn't want to quit. I didn't even want to own a business, and it uh it just blew up so fast that it just kind of took off. I, I think in the reality was there was a giant demand for somebody to simplify the buying process more than I ever could have imagined. And, and that's the reason it took off. Yeah. Um, people are saying that it is kind of quiet. I don't get that. Let me just, uh, just boost up the mic. No, I think your audio is good now. No, they're saying Dave. So, oh, can uh, you hear me okay? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, Dave's I, I, audio I, is good. I, I can boot. I don't know. All right. Okay. Uh, tell tell us why you started Silencer Shop. I know the answer, but people out there don't. Why did you simplify the way? You know, it, it really it came down to when I bought my first silencer, and this is like, you know, 2007, 2008 time frame. I bought it because my son, he was born 100% deaf in his right ear. His other ear is 100% good. So we were trying to protect the hearing in his good ear. And it, uh, the experience went very poorly. I almost didn't get the silencer at all because the dealer actually went out of business during the wait. Oh, um, I did end up getting it. It was oh. kind of lucky. <laughs> the, uh, so the second one, I went to a more established brick and mortar shop. Right. And the, uh, the experience was just as bad. They wouldn't help me with the paperwork. They, they basically wanted me to do everything on my own. Of course I got an error letter cause I screwed something up. They wouldn't help me with that. And then at the end of the process, I, I end up getting actually a different silencer than what I thought I was buying. The whole thing was a mess. So I thought the idea with Silencer Shop was just to help people in the local area do transfers to kind of help them work around the paperwork issues I had had, just to simplify the process for people. I never intended it, like I said, to be what it has really become, although I'm not upset. <laughs> yeah, the, the kiosks have really changed the game. Yeah, the, the kiosks were really a response to, uh, I don't know if you remember Obama's rule change in 2016. Prior to 2016, when you bought a silencer, you didn't even have to sign the application. Most people don't even remember that. Even when we talked to ATF, 
that wasn't that long ago, a lot of people just don't even remember. It was super, super, it was just paperwork, right? Post 41F in 2016, not only did you have to sign the paperwork, but you had to submit fingerprints, photo, notify your chief law enforcement officer. All these oh, additional requirements were added. Oh, yeah. And the, and the kiosk really helped to simplify the process as ATF changed it. Yeah, I see Roger Frame out there. Roger Frame, I hope you're getting better. He says, a cripple needs suppressors. Uh, Roger's like one of my really good friends, and he's been struck by something called Guillaume Braves. Oh. So he's basically, he's kind of paralyzed a little bit, but he's getting better. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I, I've been keeping up with you on Facebook, Roger. You need to give me a call. Okay, with, with the silencers, you simplified it. What type of background do you have? Do you have a software background? Yeah, you know, I, I really have. I come from, I'm a computer programmer, right? And I'm not the kind of computer programmer that manages other programmers. I'm the kind where you lock me in a closet and code comes out. They don't let me talk to people. I mean, that's just who I was, right? And I've been doing it for 20 years. It, uh, I mean, yeah, that that's my background, 100%. Yeah. Uh, we had a question. Was it was that change part of the 41PF? Yes, that's right. Yep. In 2016, when that went into effect, that's when the kiosk really became necessary. Yeah. I want to ask you about some myths around suppressors. And I know the people out there don't, I mean, I'm sure the people out there don't believe the myths. So I really want to get into how do you think these myths started? Like the like suppressors make everything dead silent and you, no one can hear anything. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that. And I, I think, you know, you flash back to 1934 and it, at that time they passed a law where you had to pay a $200 tax, submit paperwork, get approval. And as a result of that, nobody owned silencers. The only source of information for silencers from 1934 till about you know, the early 2000s was TV. So really movies defined it. And I always compare it to, you know, when I grew up, you know, 80s, you're watching, you're watching TV. You know, if you based car accidents purely off what you saw on TV at the time, you would know that cars always explode at the end when they get in a wreck. When you watch chips. That's yeah. right. They Absolutely. Jump up in the air. That's right. Yeah, I, they're writing a parking ticket on a car; it explodes. Of, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I took somebody shooting, and I was uh, shooting my suppressed AR, and they were like, "I think something's wrong with your suppressor." I was, I was like, "Why?" They're like, "It's like because it doesn't sound right." I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Isn't it supposed to be like a high pitch, like pew pew?" I was like, "Pew pew, yeah." I was like, "No." <laughs> It's like, oh, no. Um, I know Mythbusters, I don't know if you saw it, but Mythbusters did an awesome show all around suppressors. Uh, You know what? I actually have not seen that. But I do know that as things like that come out and people are starting to become more educated, education is the key to this market. People kind of, as they understand what they are and what they aren't, hopefully a lot of this mysticism goes away. And yeah. So here, for me, I want everything I own to have a suppressor on it. I live in Florida. I, I can shoot on my property, basically in Florida, if you have an acre and a quarter. 
you know, an acre, I'm sorry, an acre or greater, okay. and the rounds don't leave your property, you can shoot. I just don't want to piss off my neighbors. Right. And, By shooting your house. Well, oh, number oh, one, yes. Sound. <laughs> but yeah, and it, it just seems what always aggravates the heck out of me. I don't know if Richard Maunders in our audience, but he, he's our uh, resident uh, foreigner. He's he's from England, yeah. but he's a big 2A supporter in the States here. Yeah, we actually and, have 2A supporters from like England, uh, where Norway. Norway, that so, one guy. Yeah. yeah, we have Australia. We but, have people from around wait, the world. I always. When when people want to tell us how stupid we are and we should do what they do in Europe, you know, we should just accept whatever legislation coming our way that restricts our right because that's what they do in Europe. Well, in Europe, you just sign a piece of paper and say you want that silencer over there. I'm suppressor. Well, silent, yeah. silencer it, is the technical name for it, actually. Yeah, and, it, and it's considered rude in Europe if you hunt without a suppressor. Yeah. Yeah, I stress all the time for hunters and the that's one category of people of shooters that every hunter should be using a suppressor. And I think probably a giant percentage of hearing damage is actually done to hunters. What? Yeah, that's right. Because it just ruins the experience. Even the electronic plugs, it's just not mm-hmm. as fun to be hunting with them. Sure. You gotta take one shot all day so people just don't use anything. But, and they but we all them. know that 99.99% of every suppressor sold in the United States is involved in a homicide, right? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I was debating a mom's demand action person on a radio show. And I think Richard probably heard this. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I, I use a suppressor because I want to protect my ears and it's still really, really loud. It's just down to the point where it doesn't damage my ears. Uh, and she basically pushed back and said, that's not true. It is dead silent and there's no need for a suppressor. Um, do you have to deal with people like that? You know, it used to be more, honestly, you know, flashback even five, six years ago, we had way more of that. Now, I mean, I feel like at least gun owners understand. It used to be that not even gun owners understood what a silencer was. And it's still not 100%, but it's probably the majority of actual shooters at least have been exposed at some point to suppressors. Now, the suppressor market has exploded in the last five years. Like you oh, said. yeah. Uh, probably a little bit before then. So my question to you is Why? Yeah, a lot of it is education. To me, the biggest thing that started this was the $200 tax stamp being impacted by inflation to a point where it became affordable. Mm -hmm. So I think people started thinking, man, I could swing 200 bucks. I want a suppressor. It's a heck, if you look at your, you take most flights, you look at the receipt, you'll see you pay more than $200 in tax on a lot of these flights. So people they could afford the afford the tax. I think that's what it boils down to. And then education on top of that. No, well, go ahead, Rich. Hey, what I got to say is I, I always, I don't want to give the government any ideas, but it's always amazing to me that in 1934, was it? Mm-hmm. A $200 tax was like six months salary for the average person. Yep. 
It was priced to be the same as a Thompson machine gun at the time. So they they just wanted to like and and the dumb logic on the NFA was it's legal. You just need the stamp and. In some states, you can't get the stamp. Other states, you can. But it's just so expensive, nobody's going to do it. Right. Thank God it's not keyed towards some inflationary measure to oh, you yeah. know, make it $50,000. Yeah, yeah, we really dodged the bullet uh, on, on that one. Uh, there's also something that the anti-guns push, and they say that it suppressors full shot spotter before you answer this let me just remind someone out there that the chicago uh uh ig in chicago did a study and there's been other studies and shot spotters only accurate nine percent of the time no did you say nine nine yeah i got an article <laughs> about it yeah the, nice. all, all I, the internal studies say that they only work nine percent of the time i think i could set up a couple solar powered raspberry pies and stick them on telephone poles <laughs> and get better uh ratings than that uh, do you guys respond to the anti when they say that a full shot spotter i'm not even you sure know, I'm familiar I, with shot spotter I, no i i and i don't know a lot about it everything i've ever heard about it is that everything fools it balloons popping firecrackers cars backfiring yeah that's true. Everything either is or isn't what they think it is. On Amaland, I have all the studies on it I wrote about that they don't exactly went out there. And that's how I found out that it's only it's 91% false positive rate. Yeah. Dave, I'm not sure how old you are, but you ever watch uh, Don Adams and Get Smart? Oh, absolutely. I love that show. <laughs> do, do any of the silencers work like they do in Get Smart? They do not. No. How, how and and for those of you don't know. that don't know, you have to yell while you shoot a Get Smart Silencer. That's right. Yeah. Um, so the market has exploded. You guys simplified it with the kiosk. Is that patented or can someone else like rip it off? You know, the thing about software patents, we did in my earlier life, I had... I think I've got about 12 patents issued, but about the time silencer shops started getting into this type of stuff, the Supreme Court had a ruling where you can no longer patent software or processes. So since everything we do is software or processes, we really don't have any patents on it. We rely more on just trying to move the technology forward as fast as we can and just being innovative. Oh, that's good. How do you get the, the kiosk in gun shops? You know, it really, the, the thing about the kiosk, the first 300 of them that we did, we actually gave them away because we knew that in order for this to be successful, we had to have a network, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's gotten to a point where dealers, they look at the numbers and the dealers who have a kiosk versus the dealers who don't have a kiosk will sell multiple times more suppressors because it simplifies the process so much. So dealers come to us and we basically make them as fast as we can. Now, we don't we actually don't sell those kiosks at a profit. We actually sell them at a little bit of a loss. We try to break even on them, but our goal is to get get them out there so dealers and customers can be using them. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh con- the game console method. You, yeah, that's you, right. You sell the g- game consoles at a loss and then they buy the games and everything and you get a percentage of that so that's where you make your money at 
Yeah. But we've got enough enough of a demand for them now that we just we make them as fast as we can. Is there like a waiting list or a wait time to get them? There is a wait time, and I tell you, I, I could speculate on what it is. I know it's it's a few months. I don't know the exact amount though. Yeah. Uh, do you see like anything like the Hush Act or the uh, Hearing Protection Act passing anytime soon? You know. I, I, both those, I, I treat both those a little bit differently. Something like the Hearing Protection Act, I actually do think that long term, something like that will pass. I think that's, in my personal opinion, at least at least ten years out. And I think what we need before something like that, that passes is to actually grow the market more. Because right now, there just aren't enough silencer owners for us to be a political force. Right, as the market grows, education increases. People like you are pushing out this message. It's a, the market will grow. And at some point, I think that's possible. The Hush Act, on the other hand, and I, this is something that I had never considered until probably within the last six months. But I think in some ways, silencers being under NFA or being not under NFA, but being regulated as firearms actually does give us protection because now we have Second Amendment protection. Whereas if silencers, were just an accessory like a flashlight, which in reality is what they should be. But if they were treated as a flashlight, they could just be straight up outlawed. We have a bit bad polit- political environment and they could just be yanked out from under us. So we do get some protection from the way they're regulated. Hopefully that all makes sense. It's probably convoluted, but that's kind of been my thinking in the last few months. But HPA, yes, I think that's possible. Yeah. Uh my uh, boss, uh, like the head of Amoland, is sits on the board of the American Ex- Ex- Suppressor Association. Yeah, I'm on that too. Uh, you know Brian Johnson? Uh, sheesh, I don't actually. Yeah. So I probably should. Yeah, <laughs> he's a uh, he's the CEO of Amoland. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. So I've been shooting suppressed for years now and when i first started shooting suppress like you said there's hardly anyone doing it and it was a very very convoluted way and i i was i got i'm pretty smart and i got confused and i had to go to someone else who who knew so i really appreciate how the kiosk is making things simple i have a friend who's also a chicken farmer it's a joke. He's uh, my lawyer. He uh, argues before the Supreme Court. Yeah, he argues. You know, he's yeah. known as a chicken farmer. Yeah, he's, he's okay. the guy that argued the bump stock and stuff like that. Can, okay. can we tell his FFL story? Uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit later, Rich. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he went to buy a suppressor, and he wouldn't buy from anywhere that didn't have a silence shop kiosk because he wanted the simplicity of it. It, it really does. It, it simplifies it, and it's the first time you use it, you know, you know, five, ten minutes, you're done. But after that, it's like there's nothing to do because we capture all the information the first time through. You buy the suppressor, sign your paperwork, and you're done. We just take care of the rest. It, it's a, I feel like it's a pretty fantastic system. 
Yeah. Do you think that the kiosk helped Silencer Co. grow? I mean, not Silencer Co. Silencer Shop grow. Yeah, I think I think there's no question. I think it was a big risk and a giant expense. It's a seeding those 300 kiosks was several million dollars to get those out into the market. But it's a it it's not only I think helped us grow, but I think it's actually helped the industry grow because the alternative would be everybody has to go to the sheriff's department, get fingerprints rolled, everybody's doing ink all the time. I mean, the the alternative is actually pretty pretty cruddy right did you ever have any nights where you woke up and said man i think i made a bad mistake with these kiosks and they're rolling out (laughs) i tell you for most of 2017 i felt that way (laughs) (laughs) so after we'd seeded them and then you know the whole industry went through kind of the trump slump that that was a scary time It, it really was oh wow yeah so what is the biggest myth surrounding suppressors, not for outside the gun world, but inside the gun world? A little bit different. You know, inside the gun world, I think for people who haven't owned them, there is a lot of people thinking they're silent and they're not. But I think the thing I hear the most, even from gun owners, is the whole I need a class three license to buy one. Yeah. You know, and that's just that just not class accurate. Three for that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think people took. Yeah, it, it's just uh, it's just not true. So you basically pay a tax, file your paperwork. That's it. There's no real license involved. Do you think that the wait time on NFA is going to come down anytime soon? You know, this is a guess, but I I do believe so, and I and I'm basing that off last year where the number of applications the ATF got actually increased last year but wait times came down dramatically i think they're really believe it or not starting to get a handle on their processes i i think and this is me being a little bit of conspiracy theorist i think there's a little bit of a nefarious reason for for them even now to want to push wait times lower because if they can make it seem like the process is super efficient and simple and easy to manage then they can start making the pitch that AR-15 should go into NFA. And I think that's what we just need to be aware of. You know what? I wasn't even thinking about that, but you're you're absolutely right. That's nuts. I I didn't. Wow. I never thought about that. But that that is, that would make a lot of sense. And that's, that's just, I think we need to be pushing to get things out of NFA, right? We want wait times to come down, but we just need to be aware of this as a threat, I guess is what I, the point I want to get across. Yeah. To let it, let people know that it is out there. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it, wow. I, yeah. I never thought about that. Maybe I shouldn't say that publicly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ATF is probably uh, sitting there taking notes somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, ATF really does not like me. <laughs> they won't talk to me. Well, maybe I should uh, get off this show. I mean, I see y'all. <laughs> hey. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I love my ATF guys out there that feed me information. <laughs> nice. What's the next? Are you, are you talking about the ATF guys that are paid to watch your show? Or yeah. The, no, that doesn't matter. The, what, what's the next big move for a sil- silencer shop? 
You know, right now we have some really, really big stuff coming that I cannot actually talk about, but I suspect by the end of the year, you'll see some changes that will be probably unexpected. The, uh, but in the meantime, we've actually just pushed out a new customer portal to make that simpler for our customers. We're getting ready to push out a new dealer portal. We have a new kiosk software version getting ready to launch. That's a pretty dramatic improvement, especially in the fingerprinting side. Next year, we're hoping to get a new mobile app out. It's a, this is all kind of, what's that? The mobile app. Talk about that. You know, our mobile app right now, it'll show you like your registration information and uh, allow you to take a photo, but it doesn't really do a whole lot else. Uh, we're, We're trying to push the rest of our infrastructure in and kind of build a core, I guess, platform, right? We have all the underlying APIs built. We just haven't put UIs on top of everything. So we're basically skinning it. If that, if that makes sense. Rich and I are both uh, software guys. Oh, good. Perfect. Then you perfectly understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We both have worked on software in the past and yeah, I, I come from the whole tech world. Uh, we came from Facebook. Nice. <laughs> Before- yeah. I, I did web app development for most of my career. And see what happened to Facebook after you guys left. Yeah, I, I yeah I I, I left Facebook. Well, I left Facebook because of the anti-gun stuff. I just couldn't take it anymore. That's right. So I just you know you know upped and said can't do it. Too too different for me, and I walked away. A lot of nice. other people who are pro-gun. Uh, there were some pro-gun people high up in Facebook that. Walked away, right really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, they they walked away because of the anti-gun stuff. Because they just went so anti-gun, it was crazy. So once they left, I was like, "All right." <laughs> yeah. So do you? One of the things I, I've I've always made fun of, and and two things that I think there's incredible lack of knowledge on. One, I know of like two or three crimes in the last 50 years committed with full auto firearms. Are there, I don't know of any crimes committed with suppressors. Uh, there, there were, yeah, seriously, there's been a couple. Oh, go ahead. There, there's yeah, been there a couple, have, but not a lot. But it's, the number is so small. It's like, it's not even tracked by anybody. It's like two in the last 30 years. It's some stupid number like that. So there, there's probably more threat. deaths with lawnmowers than suppressors. You know, that I absolutely think that's probably true. Well, in fact, I I would I would put money on that. Right. No, I I know yeah. they uh, in Virginia Beach there was an incident where they blamed that heavily. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that was just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was an interesting one. Oh, cause they were like, right. Oh, this, this made the shooting much deadlier. And then they were interviewing people who were talking about the guy had the, a, hearing the shots. The guy had a pistol in, and went into one of the town, uh, government offices, that, right? It was a music municipal center, but municipal yeah, center. but there, there's not a lot. Uh, it's one of the stats that I like to quote is last year in 2020 more people died from accidentally getting wrapped up in bed sheets than from ARs or rifles total 
Well, Which more is, kids yeah. die in swimming pools than get, you know, than firearms. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think yeah, that the sad thing is, is if, if, if every time, and this is the stuff that's more common can't be publicized, right? Cause it just happens all the time. We'd be bombarded with it. The stuff that's less common can be sensationalized more. And I, I think that's why some of this gun stuff gets sensationalized. If it were happening all the time, they couldn't run it on the news because there'd be too much. They couldn't cover anything else. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And that's one of the things I always say. I always bring up the fact that, hey, hey it's on the national news because it's very uncommon. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't be on the national news if it was common or if it was an epidemic. Well, that's like plane crashes. Unless you fly with Rich, then. Unless gosh. you fly with him. You don't know Rich got uh, Rich crashed into a house with his plane. Two houses. Is that where the flying Rich comes from? Yeah. Well, the pilot. Yeah. And then he uh, crashed into a car with a plane. Congrats. Stop sign, speed limit sign, and, and a car. <laughs> yeah, so. Nice. That's why we have the kamikaze patch for him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I know you only had 30 minutes, so I do want to thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. It was a great time. Anything you want to plug before you get out of here besides Silencer Shop? Or you can plug Silencer you know, Shop. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. SilencerShop.com. Check it out. There's a ton of information on there. Videos and we got social media. I mean, just check us out. A lot of silencer stuff. Yeah, it's more than just a product. There's other stuff on there as well. It's That's just, right. Yeah, which is, is kind of cool. Um, I I will be buying a suppressor from Silencer Shop soon. I'm thinking of throwing yeah, out a blackout. Let us know. I, I have a bunch of uh, AR suppressors. And I have uh, 22 suppressors, 9 millimeter. I don't have a 45, and I don't have a 300 blackout. So I'm going to buy. Oh, the 300 blackout is made to suppress. Yeah, exactly. You need you need a can for it if you have one. Yeah, yeah. I got I got I got multiple 300 blackouts and no 300 blackout suppressors. So I'm going to have to change that. Just save my buddy is. His PDW is a 300 blackout pistol uh, with a suppressor with subsonics. He's like, hey, I use it, use it at home as a, you know, self-defense weapon. And this way I don't, you know, lose my damn hearing. Yeah. But uh, you guys will be, uh, you you guys will be seeing an order for me shortly. Almost there for the money saving. (laughs) I get there. Awesome. Like I said, just uh, let us know. It's a, yeah, we'd love you have have you try out the process if you haven't with us already? No, I haven't tried out the silencer code process at all. I've been doing the old fashioned way. <laughs> oh man. Filling out all the paperwork. That's that so 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> all right, Dave. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. I'll see you all later. See you later. We'll be right back, guys, um, right after the word from our sponsor. 
proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. Black Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear. With shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more, there's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And check hey, these out. Oh, love that. Love, that is the best ever. And dun, 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 dun. You, I got all you got a whole pack coming, man. I sent you a lot. Okay. Cool. You you know what we gotta do? We've gotta do a twenty twenty one black swan creator shirt with everybody's logo on it and the black swan in the middle. All right, you go ahead and get on that and I will produce it. What? I gotta do it. What's two A EDU's logo? We we got Swamp Dog. Let's see. Okay, uh, it's, it's the two A. I guess it's the, that was Silencer Shop, not Silencer Co. So Silencer Shop, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So are we gonna talk news? What are we gonna talk about? Yeah, we can talk about the leak about ATF trying to double in size in the next five years. So but before we, can I talk about the metadata on this? Has your phone been ringing off the hook or what? Uh, with what? About the news you broke. I thought too bad. I mean, I'm only up to uh, uh, I'm only up to um, a little bit over three k, uh, which is actually down. Oh, you, you you mean three k views on the video? Yeah, which is actually a little bit lower than usual, actually. But I I mean, people are calling you off the hook. Not really. Like, hey, John, what's the details on this? No, one, when, once it breaks on ammo land, that will happen. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, the, the Biden administration had a meeting with the head of the ATF, and they want to double in five years the number of ATF staff, basically, along with IRS staff. So they're gunning for you. Well, no, they're not doubling. I, I, I compared it to IRS staff. They're going to have more armed armed people than the IRS. Oh, right now it's the other way around? Yes. <laughs> and what about the Postal Service? Are there more armed postal inspectors than ATF? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all I know is the uh, IRS has 2,000 uh, special agents. ATF has 1,700. They're going to go up to 20. They want to go up to 2,500. I'm just not sure how they're going to fund it. <laughs> Girls and Guns says ATF and Capitol Police are going to double in size. Well, uh, the Capitol Police have an office in uh, Tampa right now, which I, I don't know how uh, DeSantis is allowing that crap because that shouldn't be. Hey, Dark, uh, question I see you out there. 
Do you want to hang out with Hank and I next week? What? Oh, what? Did, I, uh, did I let the cat out of the bag? What is, I'll do it if Rich is scared to look? What did, What does Dark mean by that? I don't know. I'm assuming Hank is going to be in your neighborhood. Yep. Cool. Yeah, he's going to be in Arlington, Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's some van fest or something going on. Van, you say? Like, yeah. As in van life. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, cool. So Grills and Guns said Hank just texted him. That's cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, so he's going to be here for van fest or whatever. Yeah, Hank's, in case you haven't looked at it, it's Stranger Palooza is Hank's other channel, so go sub that. He's doing a lot of van life type did videos. You, did you see the patch that uh, Toxic Patchco designed for him? I, I saw one of them uh, that I think was uh, Lola objected to. Oh, really? Uh, uh, I don't know. The one I did, it didn't seem bad. Did this one have something not good on it? Uh, it it was a van, and it said something about big girl panties, if I recall. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Lola wasn't cool with that. Yeah, I, I see, yeah. Okay, so Girls and Guns says it's Overland East. Over, yeah, and, uh, well, that, that's uh, over. It's Van Fest Overland East is where it's being held at. I guess it's a van place. I don't know. I don't know anything about freaking vans. So Swamp Dog has invited me out to go hog hunting, and uh, I'm under a financial constraint due to many different reasons right now. And my wife doesn't even want me driving to Fort Lauderdale to shoot video at Supercar Saturdays. So there's no way I'm getting spousal approval to like leave the county. Well, you know, that's good. I, I want to go to Cars and Coffee one day. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's one in pa- well, there's uh, Cars and Coffee in Palm Beach, uh, which I think like they're just starting away from here. Yeah, yeah. There's one like ten or fifteen minutes away from my house. And then the Supercar Saturday, which I've been going to, uh, and that's in Pembroke Pines, which I think is right outside of Fort Lauderdale. So it's like an hour away. Yeah. Uh, a guy that used to go to the Cars and Coffee around here now is down in Florida. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he has a Koenigsegg. I don't know if he still has a Koenigsegg. Yeah, I think he got rid of it. He sold it to someone else. Yeah, he had the... Uh, he, yeah, Randy Savage. He had the Pagoni Wyra, Hyra, Wyra. Uh, and I think he sold that. I saw that uh, at Cars and Coffee. So, yeah, the the Savage Garage crew always brings the best cars there. Yeah, he he, he took his Koenigsegg into Loudon Exotics and got it twin-turboed, <sighs> which is insane. Wow, wow. Because the Koenigseggs are typically around a million dollars, right? Yeah. Oof. I so just so you know how much of a wimp I am, I have a bone stock 2015 Genesis Coupe. Uh, so it's a 3.8 liter with a six speed. They're pretty quick, it, and I just I just like it bone stock. It has just enough burble for me. If if you're a real car guy, it probably doesn't have enough. It's quiet enough when you're cruising in at long distance. 
Um, I'm okay with that. And, and John has a fairly, John has a car that I've been kind of jonesing for. You, you got My the G70. Uh, G70. That thing's freaking fast as hell. And uh, I've been, two reasons I've been eyeing that car. One, turbo cars are easy to get more horsepower out of. Twin turbo. And two, twin turbo 3.3 liter V6. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you do have the one with adaptive cruise control and lane stability, correct? Correct. So you can just drop in the comma AI system and have it self-drive. Yeah, if I if I wanted to, I'm gonna put the comma three in there, but I'm gonna wait until it learns a little bit more. Yeah, so the comma three AI model is kind of new. Uh, the comma two, I've been driving in my wife's Lexus, which is love that, just love it. Yeah, but we, but I'll drive it. Ex- explain how it works so people know what I'm talking about. So, um. I, I think the Comma 2 is a – it's not a Google Pixel cell phone, but it's basically a cell phone in a custom enclosure and with a couple of tweaks to it. But it jacks into the CAN bus and spoofs the signals for the driving, for the lane stability part where it steers, and the adaptive cruise control where it brakes. And it uses machine learning – and uh, the camera on the cell phone to see other cars. And it works crazy good. And I, I forgot how much mine was. I got the Comet 2. I think it was like, I thought it was like 250. I might be wrong. The Comet 2, like 25. You were talking about 20. No, it was 1,000, right? Was it? Was it a, maybe it was like 1,000 bucks and, and like 250 a, for the harness. It's 250 it, for the harness. It. The Comma 3 maybe. is 3,000, but right now there's not a lot of miles on it, so it's not a lot to learn. Yeah, but the, uh, the Comma 3 has higher-end hardware. A um, couple of cool things about it. Like most self-driving stuff, you have to have your hand on the wheel in even if you have a light touch on the wheel, it'll say you're not holding the wheel. So you actually got to like pull on the wheel once in a while. They 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 might they make a, a counterweight for it. Yeah, I mean, or or you people, can just take a counterweight from the gym and stick on there, and it holds. Well, it. Uh, I I think there's a video of this. Some guy in his Mercedes with the self driving duct taped a, a bottle of Coke to the steering wheel and went in the back of the car and slept. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, the the comma AI, what it does is they actually pull the R infrared filters, the IR filters off the front facing camera, and they have IR emitters. So they're actually looking to make sure your eyes are open and looking out the window. And even if you're wearing sunglasses, it's detecting where your face is. So if your head nods, it knows you're sleeping and like says, hey, take over or it stops driving. That's why you put sunglasses on and you uh, duct tape your head to the... Uh... Well, so uh, my sunglasses, because I need reading glasses, are bifocal. So if I want to read something while the car is driving, I just do this. I don't do that. You're dangerous. But uh, the the comma, so I did, I I went to Gainesville last weekend. There was a football game uh, at my daughter's college, and it's three and a half hours each way. And and that thing, it once once you're on the highway, around town drive driving doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But on the highway, I, I'm a driving guy. I like a stick. I like a sports car. That kind of thing. I bet you but like it, a if, stick. If you're on the highway, I'm like, 
I, here's the dumbest thing. I've said this before on my own podcast. My airplane has a similar layout to my car. It's like, you know, you got a bucket seat and you're kind of like raked back. And as soon as I get off the ground of the airplane, I'm reaching towards the instrument panel to hit the autopilot. I would do that when I got on the highway with my car, you know, when I was going to be driving for it. I'm like, I would take my hand off the stick because like on, in the airplane, the throttle quadrant's in the center. And I'd be reaching towards the instrument panel on my Genesis. And I'm like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> you just and, how John says, and, and, hey, and we- Rich, and then cuts to a commercial. <sighs> Come on, Rich. <sighs> Ooh, Grills and Guns has a request. He asked you to bring your dagger. What, what was that? He's asking you to bring your... Proudly sponsored. You rat. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, fun. So, Zach, I, since I've flown, I've had no car accidents, unless you count, count the second plane crash where I hit a car. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's kind of a big deal, Rich. But I'm not sure if that qualifies as a car accident. Of course it does. Because I was driving a plane. I think if, if, you're, if you're a pedestrian, you get hit by a car, does that count as a car accident? Yes. It does. I don't okay. know. I have no idea. I wasn't even listening to what you're... Yes, yeah, second oh, plane right. crash. <laughs> so, so, chatter on the wire. I'm like, second plane crash? Really? How long have you been around? Yeah. Chatter on the wire is like an OG uh, flying rich guy. He He no. knows me from other tech podcasts I've done. There you go. That's why we call him Kamikaze Rich. So, and just in case there's other OGs out there, go to my YouTube channel, look at my uh, playlist for flying for aviation, and uh, you'll see the two plane crashes there and a brake failure. So my friends joke that I've had two and a half plane crashes. (laughs) Although I've had like three brake failures. (laughs) We're AP reloading. Dude, remind me when, when we meet up. Never mind. <laughs> uh, that's, 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 that's terrific. <laughs> that is that is super awesome. That was a nice shot. Oh, check this out. I got this from, uh, it's called Bullet Girl. I, I can't see that, but... It's a I'm assuming it's a bullet. Yeah. Looks like an AR-15. Yeah. 223. No, it's not an AR-15. It's a 223. I mean, yeah, sorry. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's from a company called Bullet Girl. They're not a sponsor or anything. It just, they make really nice stuff. And it doesn't say Bullet Girl in there. It's just the name. Uh, the one, the woman that runs it. And uh, she makes jewelry out of firearm bullets and stuff. Cool. So I can wear this, and then I can wear my uh, my uh, watch that I got from uh, Zar, uh, like like Zar. You know my uh, Peace Times Thirty Eight watch. I can watch. You know, have that. Oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, oh man, I'm all decked out. I won't be able to fly because I got a piece of a gun on my watch and a freaking piece of ammunition around my neck. But 
<laughs> yeah, I was in the airport one time going through security, and some lady was trying to go through, and she had a belt made out of bullets, <laughs> out of um, of of rounds. It, it looked like they were like, like oh, probably, like, ju- just to mess with TSA. I uh, I would carry like my my uh, empty casings. Like after I did a, a like firearms training and I was flying, I would just throw my empty casings in my carry on bag and stuff like that just to mess with them. Yeah, probably not the smartest thing to do. But they made her throw away her belt. Oh, and unfortunately, whether you're you could be a hundred percent right, but proving it to those knuckle draggers is kind of difficult. Yeah, she was like, it's not real bullets. Like, we don't care. It looks like bullets. And? And they made her throw it away. Follow that or you don't go on the plane. All right, yeah. girl living guns. Have fun. Stay strong. Uh, I need you on the show. Uh, I think Rich wanted the cavity search. No. No, I've never had any... Uh, other than you know them going through my carry-on bag, uh, I've never had any um, extra search. Uh, sports brand, uh, he says, instead of calling it crashing, uh, you should call it aggressive freestyle landing. Uh, well, I like how Elon Musk calls it. It's a RUD event, rapid unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Elon was like, I don't know why I make we make people who are beta testing the self driving features find NDAs because they just don't listen. <laughs> it's like they post the videos anyway. He's like, and we're not going to actually do anything. So, how many why we do it? Sport Sport Brand says it's like parkour for planes. Seriously, Edgar, how do you transport firearms and planes? Wow, um, it, it's actually pretty easy. So, um, two ways, and I, I got stuff around here, but not arms reach. PWEDC? Um, yeah, PWEDC uh, for, for the... the... <laughs> okay, so uh, two ways. So if you're flying with just a pistol, what you can do is you have like a pistol safe, you know, so something that's the size of a Bible, basically, and you can, uh, you have to declare it. Uh, the gun cannot be loaded. You can actually have an empty magazine in the firearm and a loaded magazine. Your ammo has to be in the original boxes. So let's say you have, you know, something like five, seven ammo, even though it's just stacked in the box. That's, that they counts. Don't, they don't know look at what ammo you have. You like Southwest, you can only have 11 pounds of ammo per person. So my wife and I, if we're traveling on an event, we could have 22 pounds of ammo, but they would have to be in separate bags. Uh, If you're doing something like I have a double rifle case, like a Pelican style that I got at Harbor Freight, it just has to have locks on it. So your cases all have to lock. The gun can't be loaded. Uh, typically not more than 11 pounds of ammo. It depends on the airline. That's an airline restriction. And occasionally you'll have to uh, bring it to the TSA area or wait for TSA to inspect it. 
And you might have to wait five minutes uh, after they check your luggage. So some airports are slightly different. They'll actually bring you to the TSA area. Some airports, you just wait where you check the bag uh, for five minutes. And if they don't call you, you just go to the gate. I've always had it uh, where the where I had to bring it where the the guy walks you over to TSA. When was the last time you flew in with a firearm? Uh, May. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I so Atlanta was terrible. Airport, it just took freaking forever to go through the whole process. All right. So let let me hit the gotchas on this. So I've had no issues whatsoever. Once uh, I had more than eleven. I knowingly had more than eleven pounds, but it was like. It was like so many ounces over. They actually weighed my ammo. Last couple times I've I've flown, all I did is open the case. They saw a bunch of firearms. They said close the case, and that was it. Yeah, they, they, they check they, if it. They usually put a little piece of paper in there. Yes. Yeah, they put like an index card, and you put your name and flight and information on it. Yeah. Um, but they didn't even check the firearms that they were unloaded. They didn't even touch anything. I just opened the case. They saw firearms. I closed it. That was it. They didn't weigh the ammo. None of that. Yeah. Usually it's what happened. So there's a question about reloads um, in the original box. Uh, If, if like you put it, the reloads in a nine millimeter box, they won't know. They, they have no idea. They're not going to check uh, the brand on it and make sure the brands match up. Yeah. There's, I don't think there's anything that talks about reloads. So if you put it in an OEM box, uh, you're good. All right. So the let, let me tell you about the horror stories. And, and I think John probably can fill in the details better. Um, typically, if you're going to be flying with firearms, you're flying from gun-friendly location to gun-friendly location. So like West Palm Beach to Dallas, Texas. Make sure you don't have any damn stopovers. There's a case where I think it was Newark, New Jersey, where a flight got diverted. And the guy says to like the Port Authority officers, like, hey, um, I'm flying with my gun and it's on the carousel because we got diverted because of, you know, equipment, weather, weather, whatever. And they said, yeah, go get your gun. You're good. And when he did, they arrested him. Yep. That was New York. As as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if I got a gold plated double uh, Desert Eagle in the freaking case. If it's Newark, New Jersey, and my plane gets diverted there, I am not touching the damn thing. Yeah, because they. And, and, uh, yeah, I would. How, so how the the, the cops one, police officers, FBI, any any law enforcement can lie to you. There's no law saying they can't lie to you. You can lie to a cop. You can't lie to an FBI agent. That's a crime. Uh, so the cops have no, how, how should I say, compulsion to give you valid legal advice. So if, if they tell you, uh, like you land in New York, New Jersey, something like that, where it's a highly gun-unfriendly place, I would call a damn lawyer before getting my bag or just leave my freaking bag there. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, he spent 10 days in jail. Uh, Unfreaking believable. 10 days in jail. 
mean, you know, the guy. I mean, they let him go, then he tried to sue. Yeah. So there's another case. Uh, I believe the lady was, from, I think she was a single mom also. Lady was from Pennsylvania, accidentally got on the road into New Jersey, got pulled over, yeah. told the cop she had her gun with her. Being honest, being as we are, uh, you know, we're law-abiding gun, gun-carrying people. And she ended up in jail. And I, I think Christy finally pardoned her. Yeah, Christy pardoned it, her, yeah. Uh, the, the but it New wasn't York, the New York guy. The charges got dropped in 2011, uh, but he ne- he didn't get his ammo and his gun back until 2018. They went so they seven years. They didn't want to give his gun back, and uh, basically he had to like fight him in court. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court. So this this is the Newark uh, yeah. guy at the turnstile yeah. uh, turnstile the uh, baggage claim. Wow. So seven years to get your gun back, and it went to the Supreme Court. Right. It went up to the Supreme Court. They gave him his gun back, but uh, I guess they said, uh, I guess they they said, hey, you know, we're not, uh, we're not going to let you sue. Because he was trying wow. to sue. In 10 days in jail. Mm-hmm. So they didn't let him sue. They let him off. That's but... that's crazy. Then again, you know. Yeah, and these are just the cases we hear about. All right. Well, I think we're done here. <laughs> Stick a fork in it. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, hungry. I'm hangering for some food. And uh, my wife had clinic today, which means... Uh, She's going to have a lot of notes to get done. Does that mean you're the chef for the evening? <laughs> chef, if you, if you call, picking up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a good cook. I'm a, I'm a really good cook. Um, John's got a killer kitchen. You should see his house. Yeah, if you guys uh, want Second Amendment Foundation YouTube channel. Um, I, I'm not really too big of a fan of them but i will be speaking at amcon on for saturdays so up i for 20 minutes so i better write my talk sometime on friday night because <laughs> you're not okay. gonna ed hoc it i love it yeah probably will actually so i don't, I, I don't know if i've told this story but i uh, i've john's probably heard it uh what ron reagan used to do and i i kind of do the same thing when i got to talk publicly is I'll just write bullet points. Uh, but Ron Reagan did something slightly different. He would write his points on three by five cards and then shuffle them. And then uh, his theory behind that was because he didn't know what he was going to say next. And he thought if it he seemed interested in what he was saying, people would be interested in it. So I, I think when people um, no talk... I, I think when people talk, if you're not reading a script, I think it's much more interesting. Yeah, and no mansion. I live in a 600 foot. Uh, actually, honestly, it's I would say it's about 900 foot square apartment. So the the rumor that I've started is that John has the bait house, which 
and the real house is the one with the the CIA safe house around the corner. No, no, I I, I live in an apartment and it's like nine hundred square feet, so it's not anything. It's nothing. It's nothing special. <laughs> All right, Sean lives in the bad part of town. All right, guys. Uh, Rich, tell people where they can find you. Are you going to hit the button? No. Uh, go like this. I'm not Hands hitting up. the button. Trust me. Just do it. <laughs> uh, so Instagram.com slash flyingrich underscore official. YouTube.com slash flyingrich. And Patreon.com slash flyingrich. Yeah, you can go. Oh, go ahead. And, and can I plug a YouTuber? Do I get to plug a YouTuber? Sure. Uh, today I'm going to plug Swamp Dog Armory, my buddy Swampy and Mrs. Swamp Dog. So uh, follow Swamp Dog Armory on YouTube. We we already we did that yesterday. Pick another guy. That's okay. He's mine today. Okay, that's good. Uh, Gorillas and Guns. <laughs> go check out Gorillas and Guns. Scott Ayers is a patriot. And if you want to support me, you can always support me over at my Patreon. Thank you, JSD Supply. JSD Supply makes some of the sickest kits on the planet, and they even make this. This is badass. It's the Patmos. Let's see. Yeah, there it goes. I got a uh, video dropping tomorrow on Junk Crump News. And with that said, I... I want to say, Rich, you have a good weekend. Um, and by the way, what are your plans for the weekend? Where's your hands? My hands are right here, buddy. <laughs> no idea. No idea? How you should come to Virginia. What are you looking at? Man, I don't know. I don't know if there's a... Uh, he he got it. I, I was hoping that he would just stay on there forever. All right. T- t- talk to you guys later. Bye.